السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد رسول الکریم امابات فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسر علی عمری وحل العبدانی باب العلمی ولاتی بلیل العلم نالج ولاشن وین بلیلی ڈیورنگ دا نائٹ ون وے از در پرسن ڈز دس آفٹر ایشا اینڈ دی ادر از در پرسن سلیپس آفٹر ایشا اینڈ ویکس اپ ڈیورنگ دا نائٹ اینڈ دین ہی اسٹڈیز اینڈ ہی ایڈوائز ادر پیپل اور ہم سیلف وی لرن دیٹ جنرلی اٹ ہیز بین ڈس لائک فار پرسن ٹو اسٹے اویک آفٹر سلاد العشا And the only exception is that a person has something important to do, something necessary to do. And of those things which are necessary to do at night, which is worth staying up at night, is studying or teaching. And why at night? For two reasons. First, so that a person can study, learn, teach even more. Because what he has done during the day, he doesn't feel it is enough. You know how sometimes you do something during the day and by the time you get to bed, you're like, I don't think I did enough and you don't feel like going to sleep. You feel guilty going to sleep because you feel you haven't accomplished enough, right? So this is one of the reasons why a person can stay awake at night and study even more. And the other is so that a person can have uninterrupted, undisturbed time with ilm. Because we learn that in the night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is for sukoon. Allahu alladhi ja'ala lakum al-layla li taskunu fihi wa'l-nahara mubzara. You can have sukoon in the night. Obviously, sukoon in the ayah means rest. However, sukoon is also when a person has peace, you know, no interruptions. He has his time all to himself. And during the day, obviously, there are so many distractions. We learn, inna laka fin nahari sabahan tawila. Too many things to do, one after the other. A very, very long day. And we see here that In the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, both ways are there. Staying up after Isha and also waking up during the night in order to teach, in order to uh, do something beneficial. And we see that a person may study, listen to something useful, read something beneficial in the night. Because those are quiet moments. Quiet moments where if you concentrate You know, in that quiet, in that silence, in that peace, your concentration will be much more better. If you study, it will be much more effective. But obviously, you should not do it at the point that you're falling asleep and you have to read something over and over again because your eyes are closing on you. So only study at night when it is effective. Only when it is effective. If you are too tired, if you are too sleepy, there is no point in staying awake. What do we learn about salah as well? When a person is so sleepy, what should he do? Sleep and then get up and pray. Because we should not pray in a state where we're unable to understand what we are saying, what we are doing. The same thing when it comes to seeking ilm. And if you think about it, a person sleeps at night. Why? Because he needs that sleep. He needs that rest. During the day, you have one thing after the other to do. You're tired, you're exhausted, and then the time that you get to yourself, you use it for sleeping. But we see that our bodies don't just need sleep, right? Our bodies also need some nutrition, not physical, but also mental. So during the night, when you have time to yourself, don't just spend all of that in sleeping. Take some time out of that for what? For learning, for reflecting. for self-reflection, for improving yourself. حدثنا صدقة أخبرنا ابن عيينة عن معمر عن الزهري عن هند عن أم سلمة 
وعمرن ويحيى ابن سعيد عن الزهري عن هند عن امي سلمه two narrations two chains have been mentioned over here قالت she said who ام سلمه that استيقظ النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he woke up استيقظ what's the root any other word that you can think of from this word وتحسبهم ايقاظن وهم رقود ايقاظن once were awake you would think that they are awake whereas actually they are sleeping who the people of the cave the ashabul kahf so istayqaza he woke up meaning he was sleeping before and then he woke up when that laylatin one night so one night he went to sleep and then he woke up obviously this was at the time of tahajjud faqala so he said subhanallah glorified is allah why did he say subhanallah out of ta'ajjub out of amazement out of surprise and also to show ta'zim to show the greatness of what madha what is that meaning how much is that how many in other words unzila it was sent down al-laylata the night meaning in this night min al-fitan of the trials meaning so many trials have been sent down tonight this night wa madha and how many futiha it was opened up min al-khaza'in of the treasures what is he saying that Subhanallah, how many trials have descended this night and how many treasures have been opened up this night? Do things. So he's expressing his amazement, surprise. Ayqidhu, wake up. Who? Sawahibat al-hujar. Wake up who? Sawahibat al-hujar. Sawahibat? Companions of al-hujar. Hujar, the compartments, the apartments. Apartments of who? The wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in other words, go wake them up. Those who are sleeping in their homes, go wake them up. Sawahibat al-Hujar. He's referring to his wives, that they should be woken up from their sleep. He didn't like that they were sleeping through the night. He wanted them to wake up and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. And he said, فَرُبَّ So how many? Or many? كَاسِيَةٍ One who is dressed from kiswa. Kiswa? Clothing. So kasiya, one who is dressed. فِي dunya. In this world, عَارِيَةٍ One who is bare, one who is naked. فِي الْآخِرَةِ In the hereafter. In this hadith we see that when the Prophet ﷺ woke up in the night, he did two things. First of all, he gave ta'aleem. And secondly, he also gave maw'idah. What was the ta'aleem that he gave? That how many trials and how many blessings have been? Have been? Decreed tonight. Over here in the hadith, the word unzila and the word futiha, they mean قُدِّرَةٍ How many have been decreed? It doesn't mean that the fitan descended literally, but that they were decreed. Similarly, khaza'in, not descended literally, but that they were decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, first of all, he gave ta'aleem. And secondly, he gave wa'ad, maw'idah. That wake up, or you sleeping ones, for some people who are dressed today will be naked tomorrow. So do something to prepare for your akhirah, so that you're not naked there, you're also dressed up over there. Don't just be concerned about your rest and your comfort in this life, but be concerned about your about your well-being in the hereafter as well. So he gave maw'idah. And remember the word maw'idah, what does it mean? An effective advice in which there is warning, in which there is good news, both, so that it actually has an effect on the person, it drives him to action. So imagine when the Prophet ﷺ said this statement, فَرُبَّ كَاسِيَةٍ فِي الدُّنْيَا عَارِيَةٍ فِي الْآخِرَةٍ It would have certainly shaken up the people. And those who were sleeping would have certainly woken up and done something for their akhirah. What do we see 
What do we learn about this statement? فَرُبَّ كَاسِيَةٍ فِي الدُّنْيَا عَارِيَةٍ فِي الْآخِرَةٍ This statement has been understood in three ways. First of all, it has been said that what this means is that so many women, and it's women in particular because كَاسِيَةٍ feminine, عَارِيَةٍ So so many women who wear clothes, كَاسِيَةٍ They do wear clothes today. However, they are in reality naked. So tomorrow, on the Day of Judgment, they will be in reality naked. That she wears clothes, however, they are such that she is still naked. Why? Because they are see-through or because they are extremely tight. That it's almost as though a person is not wearing anything at all. Or they're very short, very bare, very revealing. So if a woman wears such clothes in this life, then on the Day of Judgment, she will be literally bare. Because our spiritual condition in this life is will be our physical condition on the Day of Judgment. Secondly, it has been said that what this means is that there are so many women who wear clothes today, meaning they have a lot to dress up with. And they do a lot to dress up. They have wardrobes that are full. They have every style, every color, every design, every fabric, every every brand, whatever you call it. However, on the Day of Judgment, they will be naked. They will have nothing to cover themselves with. Why? Because they spent this life in just dressing up and just staying comfortable. Buying one thing after the other, wearing one thing after the other. You know, just looking after their clothes, doing laundry, ironing, dressing up. Literally so many hours, so much money is spent on just dressing up, especially by women. This is a weakness of the women. In our deen, this is understandable that women are going to adorn themselves, which is why so many things we learn in the Qur'an and Sunnah that promote this. However, everything should be within a balance. Everything should be within a balance. Just the other day I had opened up YouTube and just by chance I just pressed on most viewed by accident. And all of a sudden I saw this video on how to do makeup. It was something about uh, eye makeup. And one million views, over one million views. And I was telling somebody about it, they're like, yeah, of course, this YouTube is full of such stuff. I was like, really? I had no idea such videos are all over YouTube. How to this kind of makeup and how to that kind of makeup. And people go and shop and then they show their clothes that they've bought. Amazing. So people who are obsessed with just dressing up in this life, what happens? They end up compromising on preparing for Akhirah. So those who are dressed up in this dunya will be naked tomorrow. Their energies, their time, their money, all of it is spent on just dressing up in this world, they will be naked tomorrow. So a person's richness of this dunya will not benefit them in the hereafter. Their looks, their beauty cannot benefit them in the hereafter if they have not used it in the right way. If they have not focused on the more important things. And thirdly, This has also been interpreted as that there are so many women who are outwardly beautiful, outwardly adorned with nice, with righteousness and with piety. You know, they have that outfit, that appearance of righteousness, of piety. However, on the inside, they're hollow, they're naked, they're bare. So on the Day of Judgment, their inner state will come outside. So their inner state of nakedness, of no taqwa, of no haya of no fear of Allah, will come out. And so they will be naked on the Day of Judgment. Today, they appear to be pious. They appear to be righteous. You know, we learned about libasu taqwa. So only on the apparent, they try to be 
very righteous and pious, but on the inside, completely different. So on that day, their inner state will be reflected in their physical state. Now, this is definitely true that on the Day of Judgment, some people will be naked, but we learn from a hadith that all people will rise up on the Day of Judgment bare, without any clothes. So what does this hadith mean? There will be a time when all people will be like this, but this will be at the time of resurrection. But eventually, what do we learn? The people of Jannah will be entered into Jannah. And they will be adorned. We learn about the clothes of the people of Jannah, green, and the jewelry. So, when people will enter Jannah, they will be clothed with the garments of paradise. But there are some people who will not be allowed to come there. Who will not be able to afford the clothing of paradise. Why? Because all their lives, they strove to afford the clothings of dunya. And they did not strive to be able to afford the clothings of the clothing of Jannah, of paradise. So they will be deprived of those clothes. They will be deprived of the rewards of paradise. So what do we learn from this hadith? That a person's state in this dunya, how he is, does not mean that that's exactly how he will be in the hereafter. If a person is rich, he has a lot of clothes, a lot of dunya, everything with him, it doesn't mean that this is how he will be in the hereafter. In fact, it could be the quite, you know, complete opposite. Allah has given you the fadl, show it, it should be looked on yourself. So it means we need to keep a balance between this and that? Of course, there must be a balance. Not that a person is just completely focusing on the clothes of Jannah, and so he does not bother about the dunya at all. No, there has to be a balance. Okay, And we see that balance in the way of the Prophet ﷺ. We see that sometimes he wore the most expensive clothes, and sometimes he also gave them in charity immediately. Just because he had good clothes did not mean that he would not give in charity. We know that once a woman, she brought clothes to the Prophet ﷺ and she said, I made it myself and I want you to wear it. And he wore it. And a man said, how beautiful that looks. And the Prophet ﷺ, he went home, took them off and sent them for that man. And he said that he wanted the clothes so that he could be buried in those clothes. So there is a balance and we see that balance in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. It should not be our purpose, our goal, our focus, that we're striving towards it all our lives. Just because we want that particular shirt or that particular dress, you know, we're, we're going through, you know, the entire mall again and again, one mall after the other, one store after the other. I mean, whatever you see, it fits well, looks well. Alhamdulillah, take it. I'm not saying go for the most boring option. Go for something nice. But doesn't mean that you spend so much time into looking for that one particular item. Oh my God. I was just going to say too that as women, um, for our husbands, we we do need to make the effort to dress nicely and properly in a nice clothes. So in that sense too, for striving, but for the sake of pleasing our husbands, which exactly. would please Allah, that's also different. Yes, because then again, that is for a different purpose. Inshallah, it should be for the sake of Allah, eventually earning His pleasure. So even that effort is a good deed, Inshallah. assalamu I was thinking that it's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whatever we do, however we are inside, it's His mercy that He doesn't show it to everybody. So this is the time that we are actually free and we are covered and Allah's mercy is on us. And then we we have this time to use to be able to afford the clothing there in in the Akhra. Because now our faults are concealed. You know, people wear clothes, they cover parts of their bodies. Why? To conceal some something that they're embarrassed of. So Allah has concealed many of our faults today. But this is the time to fix them. Because if we don't fix them now, 
on the day of judgment wa shahidin wa mashhud wa mashhud it will be made visible whatever is in the hearts will come out for some people allah will say that i conceal them for you in the world and today i forgive them but for others that will not happen they will be exposed if they wear one time a dress then they don't want to wear it second time in the parties that's why their closets are full of you know clothes otherwise look at the men closet and the women closet you will see the difference <laughs> and not just the closet the suitcases and the and the extra closets right that are in the basement or yes so alhamdulillah if allah has given you that ability that much wealth or that much time then uh, you should be generous with it as well not that a person keeps holding on to clothes that yeah i might wear you know i might use this sometime i remember somebody once told me that 80% of our stuff we use only 20% of the time 80% of the stuff that we have we use it only 20% of the time we think we might use it we might need it you know maybe i can match this with that and i can wear this with that but many times that you know that chance does not come okay let's continue bab as-samari bil-ilmi as-samar what does as-samar mean talking at night مُسْتَكْبِرِينَ بِهِ سَامِرًا تَهْجُرُونَ سَامِرًا One who talks at night, one who chats at night. Samara is used for storytelling when, especially at bedtime, before sleeping, before going to sleep. It's used for a night majlis, for the purpose of entertainment, where people would sit together and talk. In Arabia, you know that during the day it's extremely hot, and during the night, the weather is nice, it's cool, the sand is also cool. So many times, in fact, it was a custom of the Arabs that they would stay up at night. Why? For the purpose of entertainment. And during the day, they would stay within their houses and they would, you know, be resting or whatever. But during the night is when they would have entertainment. And even today, if you go to such countries, you will see that during the night, all the streets are full. And during the day, you wonder, does anybody live over here? Or you wonder, why are these houses here? Why are these places over here? So the weather is like that, that people would stay up at night for the purpose of socialization, to entertain themselves, to socialize with one another, so on and so forth. But we see over here that a person should also stay awake at night, not just for the purpose of entertainment, not talking about useless random things, but talking about what? Al-ilm. As-samari bil-ilm. Staying awake at night for the purpose of knowledge. Earlier what we learned was about going to sleep and then waking up for knowledge. This is staying awake, not sleeping after Isha, but staying awake for knowledge. And then whenever a person wants to sleep, he sleeps. So, as-samari bil-ilmi. And also we see that this is not as formal. As-samar, this is not formal. This is in conversation, chatting, talking casually. A person mentions something that is useful, mentions something of knowledge that is beneficial. So this is also something that must be done. Many times it happens that if you share your room with the other, for example, your sibling, you know, you're in bed, she's in her bed, and you're talking. The lights are off and you're talking, right? And you're talking about what happened during the day or what you plan to do tomorrow or what you're thinking or what your frustrations are. And then all of a sudden we realize the other person is sleeping or they realize that we're sleeping. Right? So we talk or listen to sleep. Correct? So all of the things that we should talk about is also ilm. 
For example, you could share with the other person, this is what we did today in class. This is what we learned today in class. Something interesting. I just remembered. You know, you could share with the other. So why? Because what you talk about at night, that is what stays in your mind even in your sleep. And that is what you wake up with in the morning as well. So instead of talking about our worries, our concerns, our problems, things that went wrong, things that we're afraid of, you know, it's going to disturb our sleep. It's going to make us grouchy in the morning. So instead talk about beneficial things, inshallah. حدثنا سعيد بن عفير قال حدثني الليس قال حدثني عبد الرحمن بن خالد عن ابن شهاب عن سالم وأبي بكر بن سليمان ابن أبي حثمة أن عبد الله بن عمر عبد الله بن عمر قال he said صلى بنا he prayed with us who النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he prayed with us what العشاء the عشاء صلاة في آخر in the end of hayatihi, his life, meaning towards the end of his life, one night, the Prophet ﷺ prayed Isha with us. فَلَمَّا سَلَّمَ Then when he did taslim, meaning he said the salam, he ended the prayer, قَامَ He stood up. فَقَالَ And then he said, أَرَأَيْتَكُمْ أَرَأَيْتَ What does أَرَأَيْتَ mean? Have you seen, have you considered, meaning أَخْبِرُونِي So أَرَأَيْتَكُمْ Have you seen yourselves literally Meaning, have you considered? Have you thought about this? Tell me, what do you think? So, أَرَأَيْتَكُمْ Have you considered? لَيْلَتَكُمْ Your night. هَذِهِ this. In other words, have you thought about this tonight? فَإِنَّ For indeed, رَأْسَ رَأْسَ What does رَأْس mean? Head. Over here it gives meaning of the tip, the end, the edge. رَأْسَ Meaning the end of Mi'ati sanatin, a hundred years. Minha from it. A hundred years from tonight. La yabqa, he will not remain. Mimman, from the one who, huwa he is, ala zahril ardi, upon the surface of the earth. Ahadun, anyone. A hundred years from tonight. No one who is alive today, who is on the earth today, will be alive. After a hundred years from tonight, none of those people who are alive today will be alive then. In other words, all those people who are alive today will die by the time the century comes to an end. What do we see in this hadith? The Prophet ﷺ told the people something of ilm when? After Isha. And how? In a very normal way. In casual conversation. He didn't say, everybody sit down, I'm going to give a lecture. No. In casual conversation, he got up after salah and he looked at everybody and this is what he said. So he gave ta'lim after isha. So this is what? Samar bil ilm. What do we learn in this hadith? That when the Prophet ﷺ said this towards the end of his life, a hundred years after that, none of those people who were alive at that time remained alive. No. All of them passed away. And there's something that happened. All of those companions who were alive at that time did not live a hundred years from that point onwards. Okay? There were companions who lived a hundred years after Hijrah, but they did not live a hundred years after this time, towards the end of the Prophet ﷺ's life when he made this statement. And also remember that this is a general statement. Okay? This is something that is Aam, about everybody in general. However, there were some or there are some exceptional cases. Can you think of one? 
somebody who was alive at that time, but is still alive today, from those who were on the earth. Dajjal. We learn from a hadith, the hadith of Jassasa. It's known as the hadith of Jassasa. In that hadith we learn that some of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they were traveling on the sea, and they happened to get lost in a storm, and they ended up coming on an island. And when they landed over there, there was a creature completely black. They couldn't figure out what it was. And it came and informed them and, and asked them to come. There was somebody who was calling them. They went, and there was the jal. They saw him, and they spoke to him. And then they left, and they came to the Prophet ﷺ, and they informed him. So the jal was there. The sasa was there. However, they have not come out yet. And many hundreds of years have passed by since the time when the Prophet ﷺ made this statement. So we see that there are exceptional cases. But remember that an exception will be made about the one whose dalil we have. Meaning we have some evidence from the Qur'an and Sunnah. Because people sometimes say that Khadr, okay, he's still alive. What's the evidence? Do we have any evidence from the Qur'an and Sunnah? We don't. Okay, There's no evidence. So about the Jal, for example, there is clear evidence. So this is why we understand that that is exception. Any other exception we made, we have to bring in evidence. If we don't have it, then that falls in the Am, in the general category. Yeah, Jews and Marjut, they are a tribe. So they are born and they die. And at that time, when they will come out, they will be many in number. Okay, it doesn't mean that they're the same people are alive. They are a tribe. Okay, and from a hadith, we learned that the ratio of Ya'juj and Ma'juj towards the rest of the people is how much? 999 to 1. So there are many. One more thing that we learned in this hadith is that a scholar may teach even after Isha Salah. So for example, you go to a masjid for Isha and there's a halaqat that's going on. If you have the time, go ahead and attend it. This is actually of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. As-samar bil-ilm. The statement the Prophet ﷺ made towards the end of his life. In a way, he was hinting that he wasn't going to be there Long enough. He said teaching, but it was not a long formal lecture. It was just very informally, very casually, non-threatening. And it was such a heavy news. Mm-hmm. If the if the Sahaba was to, or even if somebody wants to sit down and think about it, there's so much in this. So we should really try to improve our speech also by following the Sunnah of Prophet ﷺ and not talk long. حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا شعبته قال حدثنا الحكم قال سمعت سعيد بن جبير عن ابن عباس ابن عباس رضي الله عنه he said قال he said بت بت what do you think I stayed at night hmm? I stayed at night في in بيتي the house of خالتي my maternal aunt خالتي who was his خالة ميمونة رضي الله عنها بنت الحارس the daughter of Haris and who was Maymuna رضي الله عنها the wife of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وكان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was عندها with her في ليلتها in her night so I stayed in her house on the night when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was supposed to stay with her during that night we know that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم had distributed his nights amongst his wives so this was her turn. So Ibn Abbas anhu, he was also there in their house. فَصَلَّى النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ So the Prophet ﷺ prayed الْعِشَاءَ Their Isha Salah. ثُمَّ جَاءَ Then he came إِلَى مَنْزِلِهِ To his house. So he prayed Isha and then he came to his house. 
And when he came, فَصَلَّى Then he prayed أَرْبَعَ four رَكَعَاتٍ رَكَعَات He prayed four رَكَعَات ثُمَّ نَامَ And then he slept. Meaning, he did not pray with it at that time, but rather he slept. ثُمَّ قَامَ And then he stood up. Meaning, he woke up after some time and then he stood up. ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said, نَامَ الْغُلَيِّمْ The little boy is sleeping. Who is he referring to? Ibn Abbas. Al-Ghulayyim, this is tasgheer, diminutive of the word ghulam. Just like Ibn Bunay. Bani Bunay. Oh, or kalimatan, a statement, tushbihuha. It resembles it. Meaning he said, nam al-Ghulayyim or something like that. Imagine Ibn Abbas. He's sleeping. Or it seemed as though he was sleeping, but he was noticing everything that the Prophet ﷺ was doing. And everything he was saying. Children are very observant. We really underestimate them. أَوْ كَلِمَةً تُشْبِهُهَا ثُمَّ قَامَ Then he stood. فَقُمْتُ Meaning he stood in prayer and then فَقُمْتُ Then I stood عَنْ يَسَارِهِ On his left. So the Prophet ﷺ came home after Isha. He prayed four rakat. He went to sleep. And then he woke up. And then he started praying. And Ibn Abbas, he also got up and joined him in salah. But when he joined him in salah, where did he stand? Aniyasari on his left. Fajalani, so he put me Aniyaminihi on his right. Fasalla, then he prayed Khamsarakaatin five rakaat. Why five? One is off witr. Summa salla, and then after five, then he prayed Rakaataini, two rakaat. And after praying two rakaat, summa nama, then he slept. Hatta until Samirtu, I heard غَطِيتَهُ أو خَطِيتَهُ غَطِيتَهُ أو خَطِيتَهُ Same word but with different first letter. What does it mean? Snoring. Meaning, he really slept a deep sleep. Hmm? That I could hear him snoring. ثُمَّ خَرَجَ And then he left إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ To the salah, meaning for صَلَاةُ الْفَجْرِ What does this hadith show to us? How the Prophet ﷺ spent his night. In the previous hadith we learned about Samar bil-ilm. Staying awake during the night in order to learn. But we see that this was not the regular habit of the Prophet ﷺ to stay up for a long time after Salatul Isha. It was not his regular habit. Generally what would he do? He would sleep soon after Salatul Isha. And then he would wake up and worship Allah and then he would sleep again for some time and then he would go for Fajr. So this hadith tells us that we should not make it a regular habit of staying up too late even when it comes to studying. So don't sleep at 1 o'clock, at 2 o'clock every night or every other night. No, it should be an exception. Because if you start doing this, if you sleep at 2 o'clock because you've been studying all night, how will you get up? How? It's not possible. And many times it happens that even if you do stay up after Isha, you try to study, but you will not be able to study much because you're tired. Sometimes, if you have to do it, sometimes, then you are able to stretch it, right? And you are able to get work done. But if you make it a regular habit, staying awake every night, falling asleep at your table, <laughs> falling asleep on your computer. So this hadith teaches us, right? That we should not stretch ourselves beyond our limits. Because then we can't do anything. Yeah, and then we end up compromising on other important things. 
So the regular habit of the Prophet ﷺ was to rest after Isha and then wake up to pray the Hajjud, end it with Witr and then sleep again for some time and then go for Fajr. And one more thing, that the Prophet ﷺ, he kept his night as his night and his day as his day. And we should keep the same thing. We should not make our nights, our days, and our days, our nights. Some people, they just work at night and they sleep all day long when people need them the most. So for example, if we're working late in the night and we're waking up late in the day and then we're late at work or we are late down in the kitchen or available to the family, then what's going to happen? Everybody's going to be affected. So exceptional once in a while, that's a different story. But the regular habit should be sleeping early, waking up in the night to do whatever we have to, and then going to sleep again, and then waking up early in the morning and getting to our work, our business early. Now, we see here that the Prophet ﷺ prayed Isha in the masjid, came home, prayed four rakat. What are these four? You can say this is nafil. Because when the Prophet ﷺ would come home, he would also pray there because he did not like the fact that people only pray in the masjid. You should also pray in your house. Okay, so especially for men. So when they come home, they should also pray something. So he prayed four. And then he slept. And when he woke up, he prayed five rakat of tahajjud salah. And then after that, he prayed two more rakat. What are these? This is the sunnah of fajr. This is the sunnah of salatul fajr. What does it show to us? That he prayed those five rakat towards the end of the night. Not in the middle, but towards the end of the night. Only then he was able to pray fajr, right? No, you can only pray the two sunnah of fajr when the time of fajr begins. Okay? But sometimes the time of fajr is very long. Okay? Sometimes it's one hour, sometimes two hours, sometimes less than that. So he prayed the sunnah right at the beginning of the time and then he slept again. Okay? Until it was time to go to the masjid. Even if it was 15, 20 minutes, Allahu alam. But he prayed uh, his tahajjud towards the end of the night, the very end of the night, so that he could pray the sunnah of fajr. And then sleep again after that. And then wake up when it was time for Fajr in the masjid. Salatul Fajr in the masjid is not generally, it's not right at the time when Fajr begins, but slightly after that, so that everybody can come. That in the Haram we see that the time between when Fajr begins till when the Salah begins, it's quite a lot. You can pray your sunnah, you can even take a short nap, you can uh, eat something quickly, you can read Quran, you can do quite a bit of stuff during that time. So we see that the Prophet he slept at that time. We learned many, many lessons. First of all, we see that staying at someone's house during the night, is it okay? Yes. It's okay. Because some people say it's not right, you should never sleep at somebody else's house. I mean, if you're traveling, if you're a guest at somebody's house, it's perfectly fine. If they're hosting you, then it's perfectly fine. Some people think that it, some people make it culturally unacceptable. As long as it is acceptable to the other person as well. Okay, obviously you're not going to go to somebody's house and say, you know what, maybe I'll sleep here. Don't do that. And also relatives. Ibn Abbas is staying at the house of his aunt. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So for example, if children are young and they want to have a sleepover at their cousin's house and you know proper arrangements are made, then there's nothing wrong with that. Also we learn in this hadith that staying at night in the house of a person, of your relatives, where the man and the wife, they are together, there is nothing wrong with that. Obviously, everything has to be appropriate. 
like we see over here, that the hujrah of Maymuna radiallahu anhu obviously was not a huge mansion where there were separate rooms or anything like that. It was one room. And we see that Ibn Abbas, he slept there, the Prophet ﷺ was there, and Maymuna radiallahu anha was also there. So obviously, things have to be appropriate, and in that sense, it is okay. Then we also learn in this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed four rak'at, and he rested after that. So as soon as he came home, he prayed and he slept. So it's best that a person sleeps right after Isha. These days, for example, Salatul Isha is very late. And Salatul Fajr is also very early. So you have very little time in the night. So if it was your habit in the winter that you pray Isha and then you have a snack and then you go to bed, then what should you do? Shift all of that to before Isha. And you have plenty of time before Isha. Many times we're sitting, waiting, looking at the clock. When is it going to be Isha time? And then when Isha time comes in, then we remember so many things to do. So start getting ready for bed before Isha comes in. Brush your teeth, you know, do your wudu, change, you know, get everything ready. And when the time comes in, pray and sleep. Is there a time when the time of Isha Salah expires? Yes, there is. And what is that? Nisful layl, half of the night. So if, for example, you said, I'm going to sleep after Maghrib and I'm going to wake up for Isha, then it better be before that time comes. Not any time before Tajr, it should be before half of the night. Yes, between Fajr and Isha, half of the night. It's not 12 o'clock. Okay, half of the night. Sorry, yeah, Fajr and Maghrib. Also we learn in this hadith that a person may begin his salah individually and then become the imam in that salah. We see that the Prophet ﷺ stood up in prayer and Ibn Abbas joined him. You see that? He joined him. So you can do that. If a person is praying, you can go and join him in salah. But who will be the imam? The person who started first. Okay? He will be the imam. This is for fard as well. Okay? So for example, you go into the masjid. You see your sister, she went before, she's praying salat al-zuhur. The jama'ah is over, she's praying salat al-zuhur. So you can go and stand next to her and you can pray with her. Okay? As long as you know that that is what she's praying. Then we also learn that a person may pray Salatul Fard Salah in Jamara and also Nafal Salah in Jamara. Voluntary prayers can also be performed in congregation. Okay? So for example, Taraweeh Salah. Is that voluntary or mandatory? It's voluntary. So can we pray that in Jamara? Of course we can. Then we also learn this hadith that in Jamara a person should stand on the right of the Imam when that place is empty. So if nobody's standing on the right of the Imam, then where should you go and stand? On the right of the imam. But if somebody is already standing on the right of the imam and the left is, you know, is free, then what should you do? Stand on the left. Tell me, I'll ask you. Does sleep break wudu? What do we learn generally? What do you know? Does sleep break wudu? Huh? It does. But what do we see in this hadith? The Prophet ﷺ slept, he got up, and he prayed. Which narration? Okay, he was not in deep sleep, but we know that he was snoring. And then he got up and went for salah. Yes, that the sleep of the Prophet ﷺ was different. Okay, okay. that if a person does not sleep without any support, so for example, he's sitting, he's not lying down, and he dozes off, even if he starts snoring, then his wudu does not break. Right, what you said is right. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ's heart did not sleep. But we see that Ibn Abbas also got up and prayed. 
there are eight opinions when it comes to the sleep break wudu or not the sleep invalidate wudu or not and there's one which i'll tell you over here which will be new but i want you to know some scholars have said that when a person has slept for a short time that is different from sleeping for a long time so you get ready for bed you go to sleep and you wake up after 4 hours 5 hours 6 hours that is different from sleeping for half an hour it's different from sleeping for 45 minutes it's different from sleeping for 10 minutes for 5 minutes do you understand so there is a difference between sleep that is qalil and kathir okay so some scholars say that if a person has slept for a very short amount of time just 5 minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes and when he wakes up he knows that he didn't do anything that could break his wudu it's like you have that feeling if you need to go to the washroom or if a person feels that they wake up and they feel that you know they had a wet dream or something like that then that's obvious that their wudu has broken but if they have slept for only 15 20 minutes and they don't feel anything like that then their wudu is there according to some scholars So sometimes it happens with you that you were praying Isha and you were very sleepy when you were doing your adhkar and you didn't even know whether you're saying Alhamdulillah or what and you find yourself sleeping and you wake up and when you were praying Isha, when you finished it was 10.35 and now you see the time is 10.45. So you don't know if you slept for two minutes or five minutes or for how long. But you're sitting in that same position or you're slightly bent over or your head is just on the bed. So you still have your wudu. Many times it happens that you are in the haram and you, if you go, you know, to your bed, to your room, or to wudu again. By the time you'll come back, you completely miss your salah. So if you're sitting over there, you slept for only five minutes, barely three minutes, barely ten minutes, maximum, very short amount of time, and you feel fine. Okay, then inshallah your wudu is valid. Okay, this is one opinion of some of the scholars amongst them, also Ibn Taymiyyah as well as Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin as well as Sheikh Ibn Baz. Inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.